And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? It's Andrew Morgans, your host for today's episode of Startup Hustle, covering all things e-commerce, Amazon, entrepreneurship. Uh, Today's guest has a lot of things to share. I think we're going to have fun digging into some of his story and what he's working on. Before we jump in, shout out to our sponsor for today's episode, Fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. Today's guest, Tony Winders, out of Kansas City today, uh, visiting some friends and working out of an office there. I'm in Alaska, uh, so we flip-flopped some spots here, but Tony, welcome to the show. Hey, Andrew. Really great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think we, um, you know, we have a lot to talk about. My, my background is uh, 10 years in Amazon and e-commerce. Um, I know you have uh, several businesses. Like, let's start with the first one, the Winders Group. Um, you know, obviously named after yourself, Tony Winders. Um, tell me a little bit about this business, and then I want to go into yeah. some of your history. But you know, you you help brands with strategy. You help brands in a lot of different areas, from um, blockchain to you know traditional marketing. Um, you know, how, how long you guys been in business? And, and tell me tell me more about the Winners Group. Yeah, cool. Thanks. Uh, the thanks for asking. My favorite thing to talk about <laughs> myself. Uh, the Winders Group is a marketing agency collective. It's a, a hybrid model that's kind of interesting, and we think might be uh, may, might be onto the a model for the future of how agencies will operate. Okay. Uh, but we have a full time team of about eight of us right now, and another dozen or so contractors working on projects at any given time. And we're helping technology companies grow uh, by employing all manner of marketing and communications. So we're, for some of our tech clients, we're the entire outsourced marketing department. And for others, we are just doing projects, building websites or whatever, whatever's needed, you know, collateral refresh, messaging strategy, what have you. Uh, But the, the thing that kind of binds all of our clients together is their their tech and their B2B. And we okay. work across lots of tech sectors, health tech, MarTech. Um, we've got FinTech clients. You mentioned blockchain. So we're, um, we're, we're kind of cr- creating these virtual teams. And it's a, a lot, another way to liken our what we're doing is the Hollywood model. So like a producer and a director would be on the film the entire project. And then the editors or the actors or the craft services or are to it. coming in at different times. That's kind of what we're doing at the group. And I'm proud to have my name on the door, but it really is about the group and the collective and what we can do together um, and how all, how we've kind of helped each other rise with the tide. And um, we're having fun. Most importantly, we're, we're helping companies grow. I'm giving jobs to independent marketing people and I'm just, I'm a connector. So I just love kind of the, the chaos of uh, of all that that entails. There's nothing else like, uh, you know, I don't come from an agency background. I kind of just like fell into Amazon as a consultant, a freelancer and started just building my team because I wanted to have quality when I couldn't find quality. Mm-hmm. Um, 
are you are you working in, in the Amazon space in regards to software tech? Like, you know, that's it's a booming area. Have you have you gotten involved yet in, in anything Amazon? No, I haven't. Although I, another of my businesses is uh, my side hustle, if you will, is a company called Pepper Bandits. Okay, and save we, some save some of that because I want to get into that. But just but keep the, it short. It sort of, well, yeah, but it's sort of we ran a test on Amazon and the low price point of a, a bottle of, of dry pepper is sort of not economical for running inside of the Amazon ecosystem. And so yep. I'm kind of focused on big food service distribution rather than selling one-offs to individuals. But I, I did experiment with Amazon briefly and I'd love your your insight on whether there's something there to do. Yeah, I wanna get to that, but I wanna save that just a little bit because um, I was more so talking on the, bit, on the tech side of software. Like, um, so, you know, uh 11 billion dollars came into the amazon space this year in regards to buying agencies or buying amazon focused brands so that's not just like e-commerce numbers that's like investment dollars and um you know in my opinion that that will mean a lot of software companies or uh, as, uh software as a service companies around helping amazon sellers so like on the accounting side or profitability side or auto advertising mm -hmm. automation, um, you know, something to make it make a little note, you know, but I think that a lot of money is coming to some of these software companies that have been trying to do it on their own. And as they're starting to get investment and funding, um, you know, looking to partners that, that can help them. And I was just wondering if you had had, had, you know, tasted or dipped your foot in Yeah, It's a new space. It's a really new space. So um, probably not, but worth a shot. Yeah, no, uh, uh, I think one reason it's probably eluded us is because the Amazon ecosystem is largely B2C, and we've kind of mm. picked the lane of B2B marketing for now. Uh, I am reminded of a Kansas City company called V2 Ventures, um, which it, one of their portfolio companies is Celozo. Are you familiar with yeah. those guys? I'm so very familiar. Yeah, so they're working in that, in that space, and it sounds like... Uh, all signs point to up and to the right for your business too. So um. yeah, no, and it, I'm a service based, so I don't have a lot of tech in my business. We use tons of tech, like I use tons of B2B tech, um, but not like I'm not developing my own at this time. So Lozo, great guys. It's one of the only other companies I think in Kansas City that I know of that's in the Amazon space. So mm -hmm. the what's fun about the Amazon space is is probably what you like about the Winders Group is just like call us colleagues, call us competitors, call us what you want. But there's just like, when there's not a whole lot of people in your space, you kind of just like cling together, you know? And um, so it's kind of fun. So Lozo is exactly what I'm talking about. Something yeah. like that, where it's, uh, it's advertising automation and, and, you know, some of the things that they do. Um, let's, let's back up a little bit and pause a little bit on just, you know, talking about the company. Let's talk about Tony a little bit, if you don't mind. I usually like to start out um, my episode is just real conversational, getting to know the entrepreneur, getting to know yourself a little bit, like, um, you know, go back as far as you want, but you know, how did you end up running a marketing agency or running some of your own brands? Like, uh, like, like the seasoning brand we're going to talk about, where does that start? Yeah, well, it's, it starts at the university of central Missouri. And when okay. I graduated there in 1990, it was CMSU and I, I had earned a, a Bachelor of Science in Public Relations, a BS in PR, and really didn't get that joke until my fraternity brother's uncle, who's an old school publicist from Hollywood, hired me out of, out of Warrensburg. 
I, you know, I skipped commencement, packed my U-Haul, and I was in my office on Sunset Boulevard three days later. And then I really got, I got the joke about a BS and PR and like the fact, and it was really what I was really unbeknownst to me that kind of PR and marketing like might have this reputation of being BS, but uh, I got, um, cause I was sort of, I was green and I learned under a journalism school of public relations training, but I got this colorful start to my career under Phil Palladino, who was like, he was one of the last of the the old school cigar smoking Cadillac driving speakerphone running press agents. And he was just fantastic. And uh, I'm jealous. How did, how did that connection happen? Fraternity brother. Okay. Yeah. So I, uh, I flew out on spring break to interview with him. He told me, I got nothing for you, kid. You need to stay in Kansas city and decide between public relations and advertising. And then I got a call three, about, a few months later and someone in his office had quit and he's like he asked me three questions he said and well let me back up this oh, is how pa- come on. This, okay this is how paladino told the story he said i asked the kid three questions i said can you write he said like hemingway can you type he said 70 words a minute and when can you get here so like that's the kind of character that he was and i really I love that. uh yeah so and then the internet came along and around 1993, I got the bug for the web. I just saw it all coming and I'm like, I can't look back and say I didn't try. And mm-hmm. I started my first company. It was called Interactive Agency Inc. And we later rebranded that as iAgency, but I ran that business up through the dot-com years in Santa Monica and had all the gaming companies, the movie studios, all the dot-com startups were our clients. Wow. And we created a community. And one of the ways that I fed myself in that services business was I also was a co-founder of the Venice Interactive Community, Vic. And so we would host monthly parties and we were all just figuring out the web back in those mid-90s years, late 90s. And um, after the dot-com bust and 9-11, I kind of had a fork in the road where I could go toward entertainment or advertising. And I went to Uh, digital advertising and became the VP of marketing at a search company that was acquired by a larger ad network called ValueClick and was the head of marketing there for many years. And between the corporate gigs, I would consult as a chief marketing officer for hire. And my last mark, my last corporate job was at GumGum, which is still a thriving ad tech business. Um, But I was consulting but not really building anything. And so three years ago, I just shifted the lens slightly from what I was doing. Cause I, but instead of having to know it all and do all the work and be in these companies, I was, I started building these virtual teams and bringing people together and basically just decided to form another agency because it's what I know. It's like, it's in my DNA and I'm a service guy and, I'm, and uh, I'm just, I'm thrilled that we've got a slightly differentiated um, proposition and we're just going to see if we can scale it. Actually, I don't, I'm not here to build a lifestyle business. I'm here to prove that virtual teams on demand marketing teams can actually be valuable in helping companies grow. And if that's true and we can replicate the model, I think we might be onto something that, you know, we're a long way from nipping at the heels of the big global ad agencies or our, you know, our established competitors, but potentially this B2B focus in this kind of virtual full-time hybrid model. I think there's something there. So that's what no, I, 
I love that, Tony. And thank you for sharing. I have a lot of questions. Um, you know, uh, one, it sounds like you started a couple companies and, you know, um, and then ended up in corporate. Was there some kind of life change or like, did there just stop being a market for those? Like, you know, I guess I'm curious around kind of how that transition happened. Some of the details. Yeah, I think, uh, the, the corporate realm was on the back of a lot of hard work and the dot-com crash. And I just needed a job at the time. And so yeah. I felt really lucky to pay my, I wound that business down. So I got out of it without bankruptcy and without having, um, uh, any, you know, like any lawsuits from companies, creditors, uh, my former business partner who I bought out at the height of the market was, was, um, gracious enough to take 20 cents on the dollar for what I owed him. And I just worked it out, you know, but I, I was ready. That. I was just ready to, um, to work for someone else for a little while. And so that was fine. Um, but that's kind of how, that's kind of how that, that progression made. So I don't, it's not like I'm, the quote unquote serial entrepreneur. I'm just interested in, I don't know, I'm interested in feeding my family and doing quality work. And it, you know, it, but I'll tell you one thing, I really enjoy working for myself. I've, I, one of my pet peeves uh, is ageism. And I, you know, I, I just never want anyone else to be in control of my destiny in the workplace, you know, and hiring and firing. So I really, part of what drives me to, to be independent is to just be in control of my own destiny. And it's worth all the headaches to have that freedom, I think. Tony, that's what I was getting at. So thank you. That was, yeah. uh, that was the juice right there. Um, you know, this is a show uh, about entrepreneurship and it's a bug. It's a, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a way of life. It's not just lifestyle. Um, you know, I fell into Marknology and Amazon, you know, it's a niche just like, you know, and felt like it was early, just like, um, you, you know, your niche with, uh, tech businesses in the B2B space and, and honing mm -hmm. in on that. And there is a need, you know, there is always going to be a need, you know, there's the Barclays of the world, there's the VMLs, there's the Vayner medias, um, but there's tier two agencies as well. And we we're crushing it, you know? So if, you know, tier two being under a certain amount of ad spend or something managed, right? So there's there's these different benchmarks um, and the big agencies are never gonna be as fast, in my opinion. Yeah. So, you know, not as customized, not as fast. And um, myself was a bartender and, uh, you know, I've worked 25 jobs before I, I fell into like, you know, e-commerce and really found my passion. Um, had no agency experience. So I'm always interested when people work kind of the, the more corporate high end LA, you know, New York agencies, mm -hmm. like what they learned there and like, you know, what, to, what they took with them. But I'm much like you, um, you know, if I have a natural ability, I think it's more at team building or, um, you know, leadership than it is management or than it is being the, um, you know, the, the alpha, the, the all, the all seeing dog, you know, like, um, doing everything yourself. And so early on, I feel like I was like, I know a little bit about photography and graphic design, all these things that Amazon needs SEO and advertising. And I'd done all the pieces of it myself, but, um, it was really like, my passion was like, I wanted to build a team that can do this stuff better than me. So I'm not, mm -hmm. not the, like, not just the one, all the one, all everything. So, um, very relatable in that, in that part. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and I'm very, I'm a family owned business as well. So we're bootstrapped and I work with my sisters and, 
um, have been doing a lot of this to feed my family as well. So just uh, you're in you're in good um, company at the moment. And, um, you know, I love those motivations. You're like, you're just like, like I want to prove that this is my thing. And, um, you know, the ageism thing, I haven't ever heard that said on the show, but um, just want to touch on that as well. I think that's huge. You know, Gary, I've always been a fan of Gary V. He's one of the very first positive business people I, I found as someone who doesn't have a business background. I stumbled across his content was just like, man, this guy is authentically who he is. He's crushing it. Mm-hmm. He's self-taught. He, you know, he started when he was older as far as Vayner Media and those kinds of things. And um, always talks about it's never too late to start. You know, I, I've got a younger brother that's uh, from Big Brothers Big Sisters that's 20. And, you know, trying to guide him a little bit. And, you know, I'm like, you know, you're 20 and I'm 35 this year, you know, and the business I really have turned seven on August in August. And it's con- entirely changed my life. Seven years is a long time of, of work. Uh, but not really in the grand scheme of things, you know, and so, um, you know, you're never, never too old to start, uh, you know, never too old to pivot, never too old to like, if you're doing something you hate, switch it up, you know, find something that you're passionate about. Um, okay. So yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, we, agree and ditto. <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, you said a lot there. Yeah. I wanted to just kind of hammer it yeah. home. Like I, I, I very much, um, appreciate those answers. I think it's, um, it's the truth. Let's work. talk about let's talk about this brand. Um, so one thing I will say is that uh, I have part ownership in a seasoning brand that oh, yeah. ha- that is a uh, you know a seasoning product, and we make about our margins are around thirty to forty percent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the end of the day, and we're quite a bit higher than you'd be in a retail um, on a retail shelf. Uh, and I think that that just kind of comes with understanding that platform and you know maybe it's even something that as the winders group we can be um an outsourced like strategist for you and amazon if you come across Mm -hmm. some of those things even tech companies are trying to understand how it works right so um you know with this with the seasoning for us it was a little bit of of price increases on the single bottles Mm -hmm. um but it 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 was variety packs um so and, and selling four packs and so, you know, getting, getting to the $30 clip for a four pack or, um, you know, versus, you know, $7 a piece is more close to the $6.99 retail shelf than it is $10.99 for a single, you know? So there's some, I don't know how far you got into it or whatever, but, um, you know, it's a, it's been a good channel for us. I've been with this guy since my early days. So we've definitely done some tweaking and, you know, things like that to figure it out. But, um, from for barbecue and things like that we even launched in australia where it offsets our seasonality you know so because they have summer when we have winter and some of those things just might be worth you know kind of contemplating no definitely i'm thought of some of those things what's the name of your brand uh miss rubens miss rubens Rubens seasoning yes so Uh, my product is called fuego rita okay F-U-E-G-O-R-I-T-A.com. And it's the hotter, better crushed red pepper. So we are reinventing crushed red pepper. Uh, and there are derivatives of Fuegarita. So there's Fuegarita fine, which is more same recipe, but more of a, of a fine consistency for cooking versus on top of prepared food. And then we have Fuegarita fire salt, which is in partnership with our friends at True Salt, who's an okay. advisor at the company. And that's great on popcorn, fresh fruit. It's a potential tahine killer, I hope. 
eventually. But the um, I think some of the challenges I've been having uh, of late are, well, first of all, speaking of Gary V, you know, he came from food and wine into the marketing space and I'm kind of going the opposite way. And part of the strategy in being able to justify running two businesses at once was that we would stand up the Winders group and then put Fuegarita through as a client. And so yeah. it's still sort of like the cobbler's children have no shoes, the same way the Winders group needs marketing help. So does Fuegarita, but we're getting there. But the where I've been focused is on mass distribution. And I've got a huge customer that services like 80% of the crushed red pepper of Italian restaurants in North America. Okay. And he, they're, they're waiting on me to take an order because I'm still in the commercial kitchen. So not only do I have to jump up to co-packing and, and manufacturing at scale and find somebody to do that work at, with these, this blend of, of dry hot peppers that no one's necessarily working with, um, but the pricing became an issue. My customers getting crushed red pepper for under $2 a pound. And the, you know, at, when I was talking to him 10 months ago, my price was like the lowest I could get was seven, $8 a pound. Now I'm down to, I'll be able to sell it to him for four thirty a pound. And that's at scale so that we could put it in the little individual packets. Because think about like, if we could get packet distribution to the Italian restaurants, that's like getting paid to brand our products. So I'm kind right, of gunning, amazing. kind of focused on the, the food service distribution. I'm headed up to the pizza expo in Vegas week after next, and I'll be meeting with him. And I we found a manufacturer in Mexico. So we just pulled up a couple hundred pounds from this new supplier. And we've got kitchen time scheduled to bottle it. But eventually, I think I'm going to move my bottling down to Mexico because True Salt has a, uh, they have a production line down there that we'll be able to get on the back of that. But these are some that. of the issues I'm working through right now because onesie twosies on the website, uh, even though we have a few hundred customers that, you know, aren't our family, people who rebuy because they love the product. Like I've got good indications of product market fit. But we've got to figure out how to scale. And at a $5 item, I love the idea of, of bundling. I think be, also, I think we might need to sort of put reposition as a gourmet brand and bring it up. Maybe it's pizza restaurants that are more artisanal and, and higher end that are our customers. You know, that maybe we need a glass bottle versus the plastic bottle. I'm thinking of those kinds of things to get more margin or just like when we were testing on Amazon, um, we found that the medium grip bottle, the 6.8 ounce, had a better margin than the 1.5 ounce, you know, so things like that, which I'm sure no, you've thought no. of. No, I completely get having like your primary too. And, you know, I own several brands that I run through Marknology as well. So we're, we're aligned across the board there. Mm -hmm. And you only get, you know, you got to focus on what you're focusing on. Um, we do have like a co-packer manufacturer in Kansas City. So if Mexico doesn't work out, um, I've got several food brands I'm working with, um, uh, the owner of like Spanish gardens and all of our, our Mexican Spanish food based brands in Kansas city, um, as a partner of mine. So happy to make any connections oh, I can. You. That could be a fit. Yeah. I mean, being in the middle of the country could help too. One other thing that's killing us is shipping the, to get that 200 pounds up here from Mexico is $600 to FedEx. I mean, the shipping companies are the ones making out in the pandemic right now. Right. So maybe your customer, you know, is not that 
is not the the big bulk, even though that's you know the restaurant because they just want they want packets and it's like your 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 cook, your barbecuer, your like really mm-hmm. like spice and is embracing that. I will say I'm looking at your website. I love the photography where you kind of have the spice glowing a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, really, I like that touch. I just wanted to say I like that touch. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank um, you. Yeah, that kind of, that's the kind of stuff that really stands out. Yeah. So, you know, believe me, if I could, if I could crack the code on put a dollar in, get two out on Facebook or Instagram or what have you, or Amazon, I'm all about it. I just think that in the few tests that we've run on those channels, it's just been underwhelming. And uh, yeah, so and and I also think that content matters. I mean, some, a spicy food like that just lends itself so easily to all kinds of content, but that requires time and labor and like a lot that, uh, you know, my clients get the priority and that's number one is growing, growing the group. I, I a hundred percent understand, uh, Marknology didn't get any marketing. I'm a marketing agency. We didn't get any marketing for, up until probably the last two or three years, you know, um, and I'm seven, seven. So as of August, so I, I understand that and they get all the attention. And the other Mm -hmm. thing is being experts at, um, you know, Amazon and B2C, uh, the B2C model, that's our expertise. And then, you know, building mark growing marketology is a B2B grow. And so it's, Mm -hmm. it's two completely different strategies and levels of expertise. So having to lean more on, um, one, learning it ourselves, right, and creating our own production company internally as far as media production, but also going through bad partners to find good partners to help us with the stuff that we don't do every day mm-hmm. um, is a challenge that a lot of people don't think about. You know, I'm a, yeah. I'm a B, I'm selling myself B2B, but our expertise is B2C and mm-hmm. um, it's, it's learning two business models right there, you know. Yeah, I know. One, well, you're reminding me of one of our little challenges is the chicken egg dilemma between wanting to assemble the team that's expert and specialized for a client and winning the business. You kind of need the team to win the business and you need the business to hire the team. So part of my hustle is knowing who those good partners are, who's on like who's on the short list and then who's on that deeper bench and how do we how do we assemble them quickly? So I, I imagine that we have an opportunity to build some technology to solve that as well. That's my my intention. I don't want to reinvent Upwork necessarily, but if I could create a system for the group where all, all the contractors could keep us informed of what they're interested in, what they're working on, their rates, their portfolio, and then that's sort of like my own little LinkedIn of people that are kind of vetted in advance so that we can assemble those teams faster. Well, it's a perfect opportunity to pitch our sponsor for today's episode, FullScale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably as someone that's used FullScale, as someone that's, you know, co-hosted with Matt and and known Matt for years. um, You know, I know that he internally for FullScale, for his own team, for his own developers, right, where he outsources developers to to companies all over the world. um, He's built internal system like that for himself. So he could be a great conversation for you just to even chat about Mm -hmm. what he's done for his own staff. Like, I mean, it's, it is amazing if you go in there and look at just like what's the talent or, you know, that's the product they're selling is is developers. Mm -hmm. You get to see them interactively. You get to see what their skill sets are. They get to grade themselves, what, what projects interest them. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really cool. It's worth checking out. So that's a free plug. 
Yeah, definitely. No, that was an elegant segue there, Andrew. Nice job, Matt. Yeah. Matt. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I promise you, if you see it, it is, uh, it's kind of like, you guys built this or like, you know, um, uh, nice. it, it's, it's pretty awesome. But um, one other thing I would say is like, you know, when you're, you've got a lot of projects going on, I've got projects going on. And I think a key point about being a good founder or a good leader is knowing um, when to press on the gas and, um, you know, when to let this priority sit so that you can focus on this priority and get, uh, get the best bang for your buck. You know, we talked about feeding our families and mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff that looks good from the outside. Like you said, building a lifestyle business. I'm not building a lifestyle business. I'm trying to build a business that helps people and that, you know, gets you doing what you love. Um, a lot of, I think a lot of founders, a lot of young entrepreneurs can kind of get lost in the early days, figuring out, Hey, I've got three projects. I've got four projects. I've got, you know, what do I focus on? And, and, and I would say, focus on what's getting you paid. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's super important. Uh, you know, speaking of priorities, um, I re I really want to share this book that I just finished called traction. Okay. Uh, by Dino Wickham. And it's uh, it was recommended to me by um, our our rep at HubSpot, and then it was re-recommended by another partner that we're working with that all, I was introduced to through HubSpot. But uh, the, in the book, uh, he describes priorities as rocks, and he talks about having a ten-year plan, but then a three-year horizon, a one-year gonna get it done, and then for the next 90 days, he talks about establishing rocks and it comes from this principle of, uh, if you had three rocks, some gravel, some sand and some water, how would you fill up a cup? And then if you do it in the wrong order, it's going to overflow. So right. you start with your rocks and he's like, so everybody on the team has two or three rocks for the next 90 days that they're focused on. And it talks about accountability. It, the whole book is actually based on, what he calls the entrepreneur operating system EOS. And okay. uh, so it, and so I'm really, I'm kind of excited to put it into play. My team is reading it as well. And I'm, I'm hopeful that we can actually implement it, but you mentioned prioritization and what to do first He's basically the thing is you put the rocks in the, in the jar first, and then the day-to-day -day activities are the gravel, the sand is the distraction and the water is everything else. And everything else will fall in place. But that proposal that I've been putting off for the last five days really is the rock that needs to be done this week. And for the next 90 days, the rock is let's update the Winders group website and so on and so forth. So it's got me, got me thinking about all the, the ways that I want to run my business differently and grow it and get traction, which is the name of the book. So just wanted to share that with you and your audience. No. No, thank you. Because um, uh, me and my our employees every Friday we have a book club, so um, we're reading a chapter a week, and then we discuss it. And that'd be a great one to add to our to our I like lineup. That. I I um for me personally, I haven't had a book that kind of explains some of that. And so my own strategy has usually been every six months to a year, I've got a major focus, like whether it's patience, whether it's communication, whether it's um, you know, financial IQ, whether it's like, you know, there's something that I try to pick and highlight almost like a new year's resolution, I guess, but for my mm -hmm. business, that's like, this is going to be my focus, but being able to pass that down is not always as easily, you know, it's more of like a self-development thing that's right. also attached mm -hmm. to any entrepreneur founder. Um, but it, 
I that's the only way I've ever found any actual progress take effect is if I'm super hyper focused on even a character trait, you know, that I that I want to get better at or that I want to improve or that I want to focus on. So um, super great insight. You know, speaking of Upwork, um, not that many people drop it. I think you guys are also HubSpot experts, right? Or experts, we are, HubSpot yeah. Certified? Interestingly, I didn't set out to be a demand generation shop and marketing automation, but as it turns out, that's what customers want. Like these B2B sales organizations need to put more leads in the top of the funnel. They need to nurture the ones that they have. And after the sale, continue to build and grow, expand those, those relationships. So it's very interesting how we fell into HubSpot. They've been a great partner. Um, we are technically a reseller of their software, but it's not that it's a profit center per se. Um, but just being able to offer those services. So what I find is that what we're really good at is creating content, B2B, really high quality infographics, white papers, blog posts, websites, whatever, video, and then manifesting that or, or, or promoting that through outbound email. But of course, HubSpot is kind of, care, they, they popularize the idea of inbound marketing which is creating that content that's tailored for an audience, like a very specific uh, persona, right? A buyer persona. But inbound marketing takes time, right? If you're not putting dollars behind the campaign and social or search or whatever, then you're really kind of relying on SEO and, and making that content really relevant to people and exactly what they're searching for. So I find that inbound marketing has a, longer time horizon, but we're, we're doing a big, a mix of both inbound and outbound and really just demand generation through quality content. If somebody asked me, what do you guys do really well? I'd say that we're mastering that. And that's something that 90% of our clients have in common is HubSpot and content marketing and demand gen. I love that. I, um, I've done my best to wrap my head around HubSpot and, um, you know, definitely use it for email and you know, my CRM and, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff, uh, you know, my contact form. And, you know, so um, it's a hard thing to learn, especially internally. And where do you go to get help for that? And, you know, I spent five grand on my email sequence. Uh, part of it was a course and part of it was coaching with that. But, you know, just investing in my email sequence alone, you know, and I, I truly believe automation, like I truly believe that it's really helped me close a lot more deals and I get compliments on it, you know, so I know I, I've gotten some feedback, very valuable. Do you ever work with B2B brands that aren't in the tech space? Like, you know, like a company like Marknology? Sure. I mean, theoretically, there's no every company needs marketing. And I believe that the marketing discipline transcends every industry, every vertical. And so the short answer is yes. I mean, the, the, the risk of that sort of mile wide and an inch deep strategy is that you just can't replace decades of relationships and knowledge about a particular vertical. So to that end, we rely on our clients to be the experts. Mm -hmm. And then we bring the marketing discipline to the party. And that seems to be working. And as we grow, I think that we've got, well, we've got several multifamily housing clients on the back of a a fintech payment platform for multifamily housing. So theoretically, and now we've got a real estate um, broker in Orange County who's looking for some help. And it's through that relationship that we met him. 
So uh, I'm planning to put a, you know, we'll put a program together for him. And so I, I, we absolutely can take on things outside of that sort of B2B tech wheelhouse. And I hope that, uh, I hope someday we can grow into consumer too. And I'd like to be doing uh, connected television advertising. I'm eager to get into more video as well, but uh, I'd be happy to make you my client, Andrew, anytime. Okay. No, I, <laughs> I was kind of getting at that, even if it's from a level of like, just getting a really good roadmap for what we should be doing. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, having someone audit our processes, like, um, mm -hmm. you know, we, I've built a business that is mostly inbound marketing. Um, I've been putting out podcasts and content and YouTube and articles and SEO mm -hmm. and just, you know, brand awareness for, for years and, and really, um, uh, you know, in some ways dialed down outbound marketing because we got to catch up, you know? So but once they're in there, you know, what's our internal, like, are we upselling to our clients? Um, you know, are we dropping off some leads that, you know, when we go through a burst, it's usually like that 20 or 30 leads at a time, you know, in one month and then 10 or so in the next one. And are, you know, are you following all that up? And, you know, you're trying to do your best with your HubSpot rep and, you know, try to figure stuff out. But, you know, when you're a small team trying to do that, sometimes it's good to just be validated by people that are great at it to say, mm -hmm. hey, this is where you need to focus. This is where your priority should be. Um, you know, so we definitely need to stay connected. I haven't met anyone else that's um, through relationship. I haven't met anyone else that, you know, really focuses in that area. But I think that it's I think that it's really big. Have you found that the content you've been creating over the past years has actually paid off? Would you say that was a good investment? I would. I in the moment, I don't always see that. Right. Like I, I've spent thousands of dollars in video and creating YouTube. And, um, you know, I was super passionate about all this misinformation coming out about Amazon and I was helping brands kill it and helping small brands get global and mm -hmm. doing some amazing things. And just all the content out there was coming from Facebook ads, people or Instagram ad people or Google ads, people that are hesitant to, to embrace Amazon because they don't understand it. Right. Just like the internet. Yeah. I was only born in 86. So bear with me, but I was a young, uh, you know, I grew up in Africa. Um, I was hacking satellites and, and hacking the back end of porn sites because that's where, uh, you know, that's where you could find the, the black hat type of um, games and um, videos. And I was living in Africa. I wanted to, to see the same shows my friends were watching back home and have video games and stuff. So I figured it out, right? I was, I would block out the images from downloading and, get into the back of those sites. And so the web, when it was first coming out, even as a young boy, I was, I was loving it. I just wasn't making money off of it back then. Right. I was just mm -hmm. having fun, um, you know, but completely understand that. And, you know, for me, it's, um, you know, it's just been a fun space to develop and, you know, even coming to conversations like this is always something to be focused on like those, those rocks, like, you know, for me, it's been, how do we get more efficient? How do we optimize? How do we automate more? So I don't just have to keep hiring bodies, you know, 24 seven um, and keep, you know, more humans, more humans, more humans. I'd rather pay my people more and automate some of the stuff that we might need other people for. So, yeah. you know, these are things that sure. I wasn't focused on that, you know, a few years ago, but now it's become a reality and um, you know, finding ways to, to automate report building or finding ways to do some of that stuff has just been, I've got my employees doing what they want to do instead of, you know, doing stuff that they, um, that doesn't, mm -hmm. doesn't drive their passion. You're going to love that book, boy. Talk about 
yeah, everything we're talking about, just it'll resonate with you. Like right people in the right seats. Yeah. And I, I bring that up all the time. You know, I'm like, we've got you here, but you, if you want to be somewhere else, you got to tell me, I'm not going to read that. You know, I'm not going to know. So I, I've been cross training people just so they can see if they like some of the other stuff we do. Um, one, it helps them have more respect for the other employees, but, uh, and what they do, but it also like, maybe they love that and they just didn't even know cause they never got that chance, you know? So you find good people, mm-hmm. I'll put them in a different position if they want to be doing something else, you know? Yeah. You know, another plug for Kansas city and kind of part of my strategy has been to groom young people into our organization. So I got to have the senior people running account management, but we've got some great stories about young people that were recruiting out of the university of central Missouri, where I'm still an advisor to the PR and the business school there. And I really hope that we can grow that team and, and train. And in, there's another woman who works with us who, um, who was a bartender in Kansas city. And now she's like learning spreadsheets and data, and she's really quite capable of, of running accounts. And, and so it's just fun to, to see people grow up and, and do what they're passionate about and, and having fun. And, um, you know, like life is short. So like, let's enjoy what we're doing. And, uh, at least that's our philosophy. I I come from the the service industry in that way, like through college and I was a a traveling musician for four years. And, um, we actually have built a lot of our team has service industry experience because there's a, a tribe that's built within a restaurant, you have a code, you have a way of doing things, you work mm-hmm. together from front of house to back of house. And there's just like a team element to the service industry, even though you're your own employee, technically, you're running your own tables or things like that, right? But there's still this team element. Um, and yeah. call it what you will, but I'm I'm always on the hunt, like when I'm out at restaurants, or, um, you know, just looking to make great people, because I think great people do great work. Um, you know, and so regardless of what that industry is and during the pandemic, what a better time, you know, to, to try something else. If you ever come across some great students at, uh, UCM that you don't have a spot for, and you just like, man, they, they need to go somewhere. Please make an introduction. UMKC, um, is our main, you know, I'm a mentor there at UMKC. And so plugged into the e-scholars, but, um, love connecting back to Kansas. For sure. The other thing that I'm, so we're like, so I just love Kansas city so much. I think it's America's next great city and I'm a real fan. I mean, I really got the the bug when our mutual friend Jessica invited me to the back to KC event a couple of years ago. And, uh, I can see the, I could see why people would want to live here. I mean, I'm from here, so I appreciate it. And, uh, I'm a, but in the meantime, besides the bridge between Warrensburg and Kansas city, I'm also building a bridge between, Kansas city and LA. And so that's been interesting as well. I think, uh, there's a lot of, uh, lot of opportunity between the two cities, at least for me and my network. So I'm enjoying exploring what that's about. And, well, we, uh, we and definitely you, after all, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't always know what the connection is, but we, we've got to stay connected, Tony, like between, uh, Marknology has a lot of brands that we work with in LA in mm-hmm. California, uh, as well as New York. So we're Kansas city based, but really have only have a few handful of brands that are Kansas city based. Mm-hmm. Um, so bridging that gap as well. And, and, you know, trying to be a thought leader in the Amazon space as an agency, we're not just trying to exist. We're trying to be a thought leader in this space. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so a big part of that is, is being known 
you know, how do you become a well-known company out of the Midwest when you're, you know, you're working, you're competing with New York agencies and New York mm -hmm. talent, and New York budgets and, you know, things like that. So it could definitely use some of your advice as someone that's been, um, you know, in that realm, in the corporate mm -hmm. space and understand kind of that mindset. It's quite a different mindset. We're, we're, we're getting close on our time and I know I've already kept you late, but in the next five, I would love to know, um, I just end with this question, like of all the projects you have going on, whether it's a client or your own, what, what's a project that's just got you like really fired up that you're really passionate about your team's really passionate about? Well, I guess, uh, besides the two that uh, we've talked about TWG and, and Fuegarita, I would even if say, it's within TWG. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, one, um, I, I, I mean, just, to plug some of our clients. I mean, we just started working with a, a company called Vocal. It's, okay. it's pronounced Vocal, but it's spelled V-U-U-K-L-E. And they've quietly for the last 10 years been cr creating these engagement tools on websites like commenting tools and emoticons before Facebook was using them and sharing tools like share this. And they, then monetize like those are kind of the free tools that create engagement but then they are monetizing with ad tags and one single javascript code to do all that okay and they're like they're they're for the smaller content publishers that are used to logging into a bunch of different systems and dealing with a bunch of different like interfaces and and getting paid from different places like vocals kind of figured that out and is able to pay the publishers more so i'm kind of excited about helping they've never done marketing before in all this time so what excites me are the companies where i get a clean slate to uh to actually help them position the brand and and so vocals interesting um we are working with a big legal services company called Epic, E-P-I-Q, and their okay. tech division is called Acer, and they're, they deal in bankruptcy analytics and data. So you wouldn't think that's very sexy, but we're, um, we're really kind of asserting their thought leadership and, and kind of creating the, uh, kind of making them the partners in bankruptcy for that particular ecosystem. I think just all these, Demuso is the fintech payment platform I mentioned. Um, we're working with the Resident Relief Foundation is our one nonprofit that's also in that that multifamily sector. They're helping people pe keep people in their homes who are facing eviction, which of course right now is a big national topic. Yeah. Um, as Jeez. people are. Yeah. So they, they'll basically, if you are been a good renter and you have the prospect of income coming in, they'll bridge the gap on what you owe for, um, for rent. And our all, and so it's a great model and a really credible company. The founders pay all the expenses. And so all, everything that's donated goes to the, to the renters. So the biggest challenge there is how do we, how do we get more corporate and foundation and individual donations? Cause we can only help as many people as money comes in. So kind of that I'm passionate about that project. I no, really no. like resident relief foundation. Those are some awesome projects. And I think it's part of the reason I'm so passionate about Amazon as well is like I'm not just getting hired by the biggest companies in the business to to launch them on Amazon or do whatever. A lot of it is is businesses that are trying to pivot from brick and mortar. It's manufacturers that are trying to go direct and you know, things are changing. Amazon's just a marketplace. It's not Amazon's not the competition, right? It's just it's the modern marketplace. And so yeah. Uh, and there's lots of them like Chewy or Target or, you know, you could you could replace mm -hmm. any Amazon with any of those. 
um, but taking businesses during the pandemic, for example, and and helping them stay in business or or grow or help them find new channels of revenue is just extremely mm-hmm. it's the smallest thing, but the biggest thing to us and our team. So I, I can relate. And what's really cool about, I think, even tech that we don't we are not necessarily involved in. We do some tech. Right. But like um, the Amazon platform is technical, but um, taking some of these it's not sexy, but taking some of these older companies like let's say a legal company or that deals with tons of paper or deal, you know, these mm-hmm. tons of processes, checks and balances and QAs and up and down and around um, and helping them be more efficient and streamline that and get that to more people is, yeah. um, is really cool. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, you reminded me of our health tech client too. Something that uh, is, you'll get a, you, you'll appreciate this. A, uh, it's called Transparent Health Marketplace. And just like the name says, it's basically eBay for healthcare. So okay. a reverse auction system where the providers bid on the work the, for the patient. And the use case, the kind of go-to-market use case is in the workers' comp field, which is a oh, terribly broken system, not to mention general healthcare. But uh, but basically the, the use case is that a claims adjuster for an insurance carrier has an injured worker in Detroit that needs an MRI in the next seven days. So the, uh, the providers that are in the marketplace, they can leave their standing price that they put in for that MRI, or they could bid a little bit lower to win the business. Think about if the winds of change put healthcare spending in consumers' hands more so, like think about like, as long as you don't sacrifice quality, and that everybody in the network is is accredited. Healthcare could we could take some fat out of healthcare. My other pet peeve is the kind of raping of the the U.S. culture and economy by the that system. I so, won't. I won't even let you get me started on that. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna avoid we, that one. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna. Just avoid gonna pretend it you didn't hear that one. But anyway, I'm, check out Transparent Health Marketplace. I am. I am bullish on on that company and that model as well. So we've been with that been our longest standing client they were a client before we formed the group over three years ago i love that you have some some awesome projects and tony i could i think i could pick your brain all day um but i know you have a sandwich waiting on you so i'm gonna <laughs> let i'm gonna let you get it to it i'm gonna have all of his contact information in the show notes everyone so you can find out where to connect with them um you know what's the best what's the best social channel that you're on that people can connect with you on linkedin is my preferred channel so hit me hit me there Okay. Awesome. You guys heard it. Tony, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time and patience today and appreciate having you on the show. I know it won't be the last time we connect. Yeah, Um, this has been fun. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's been fun getting to know you and uh, look forward to more good times ahead. Awesome. Uh, Shout out once again to our sponsor for today's episode, Fullscale.io, helping you build software teams quickly and affordably. We'll see you next time, hustlers. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.